Well, hello everybody and welcome to the Twilight Show. It seems that already I am having a bit of a tech issue. Hopefully you guys will listen in. It is Leanne, it is the Twilight Show and I am here with you from 6 o'clock till 7.30. Hopefully my intro won't just start playing at a random time. That would not be very good. So welcome back to the Twilight Show. Like I said, I am going to be here with you for an hour and a half and we are talking all things teacher-parent relationships this evening. So I hope that you have some questions about that stored up. I know we've all had some relationships with parents where it possibly hasn't gone the way we wanted or there have been some children where you kind of wished you could have reached the parent in a better way. So that is going to be our first chat. Hopefully you guys will listen in and hopefully you've got some questions that hopefully we can answer. Um, later on in the show we will be talking all things EYFS, all things early years and the foundation stages. So I really hope we've got some high school teachers here in the, in the, in the chat this evening and that maybe they have some questions about how it works in the early years. I know I certainly had some questions about how it works in the early years when I moved there this year. So uh, first up, we are going to have Lisa and she is coming to us all the way from New York. Um, Lisa is a social worker and she works with parents to effectively manage children's behaviour. So she's almost that middleman that you really, really need and that you really, really want. So she works with parents, but also works with teachers and with schools and gives advice on how to deal with children's behaviours and to deal with any, any issues really that children might have. So welcome to the show guys. I'm sorry I'm having a tech issue. Hopefully it won't continue and uh, everything else that's meant to play will play. This is actually my first tech issue so I've been getting off light uh, in recent shows. Um, after we've uh, had a bit of a chat about parents and relationships of parents and how to really get the best out of those relationships, um, I was talking to a colleague the other day actually and she said that we almost have to co-parent with parents sometimes. So have you guys had any experience of that where you kind of had to co-parent with parents? Sometimes I think those are really important relationships to build, um, how to talk to parents and how to work with them. Um, to get the best out of the children in your class. So I think that's really, really important. Um, I have, like I said, after we've had a chat with Lisa, I'm just going to mute you for a sec. Um, after we've had a chat with Lisa, we're going to be going on to the early years and the foundation stages. And the reason I have chosen this topic is that, um, in case you didn't know, I am a primary school teacher. Can you let us, let us know if you're primary, if you're high school, if you are further education? I'd love to know who I'm talking to. That'd be really nice. Um, what year do you teach? Or if you're high school, what year and what subject do you teach? I would definitely be jealous of all the history teachers out there. Um, so as a primary school teacher, I don't just move around year groups. I also tend to move around social media groups. So last year I was in all the year six and all the upper key stage two Facebook groups. And I find it a bit of a ceremony when I change year groups, not just the changing classroom, not just the change in the mindset and the planning. It's also a bit of a ceremony that I have to change my social media groups and especially the Facebook groups that I follow. I don't know if you guys do that, if there's such a thing in high school where you possibly follow subject groups, but I move around Facebook groups and Instagram people quite a lot. Like I said, last year I was in all the year six groups. And this year I am now in the early years groups and following quite a few 
EYFS influencers. So always good to get ideas from colleagues, um, people that have done it for a really long time. So this is where I came across uh, Christy and she is going to be my second guest on the show later. So if you have any questions about the early years, I know I had questions. It is definitely very different to year six. So put your questions in the chat. I would love to hear from you. Uh, Kirsty has been in the EYFS and been phonics lead for quite some time. I believe it is 10 years and she's going to be talking a bit more about that. She is really creative and the EYFS is so creative and so play based that you really need a lot of colleagues to share ideas with. So that's a really important part. And as you can imagine, that is why, as a teacher, I definitely move around the Facebook groups when I change year groups. Um, yeah, and so talking about the EYFS, just before we move on to how to build great teacher relation, teacher-parent relationships, I just wanted to talk about what is going on in the early years at the moment. And if there are any early years teachers in the room, hopefully they will sympathise with me. So at the moment, we are doing things called a baseline. And I know in the last academic year, if there are high school teachers in the room that you guys did a lot of exam marking, uh, mock exam marking. And I really always felt for you when I heard about that in the news. But hopefully some of the primary school teachers can get a little bit of that sympathy now because this afternoon I sat and did a baseline with nine children and it was rather uninspiring. So I did find a quote online, hopefully you guys will enjoy it, and I just thought it was a good way for me to start the show off, especially talking about the early years. Um, and the quote is, a child, a book, a read, a chat. This is the way the mind grows, not with a test, but with a tale. So what do you guys think of that? Do you agree with that? Do you think that maybe there is a place for testing in primary school and in high school? Um, <clears throat> I'd love to hear your views and um, why you think there might be a place for that in schools. I'm just going to leave that there for some of the show. So I'm going to hopefully go to a little ad break and then we will get on with talking about teacher-parent relationships. And I have to say, on the point of myself doing baselines this afternoon with nine poor little children, I feel like this is the only radio show where if I yawn halfway through, None of you will be offended and hopefully you will understand that um, I did nine tests with four-year-olds this afternoon. So it's nice to talk to some adults. Please let me know what you're thinking. Please let me know if you have any questions that I'm sure Lisa could give some advice. How to deal with parents, how to talk with parents, how to give advice to parents in a respectful way. I am sure she will be able to answer those questions. So I am hopefully not going to have a tech issue with adverts. Fingers crossed. We will just go to a little ad break and then we will start talking teachers, parents and children. So here we go. Fingers crossed. So it seems that the tech is really laying me down today, guys. Uh, I am going to try and have to get back to my advert a little bit later on. Uh, hopefully it will play at some point. And I'm just going to let my first guest into the studio. So let me just sort out my tech for a sec. Um, let's get right into it with our first guest, Lisa. So let me see if I can unmute her. Hopefully that will work. Can you hear me, Lisa? <laughs> I can hear you. Yeah. Wonderful. Hi. The tech has let me down this evening and it has never done that to me. So 
I'm a little bit disappointed. <laughs> but well, um, never did it before. It's time now, right? Ex exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, we will survive without the technology, uh, without all those uh, bits of audio that I so require to do my show. So um, yeah. So welcome to the show. It's lovely to have you. Um, it's not. We're lucky that the time difference worked out. Because I, I have a friend that I used to train, that I was training with, and she lives in uh, South Korea, believe it or not, and I would love to have her on, but apparently the time difference doesn't work, and she doesn't want to talk to me at three in the morning. So, oh, why? <laughs> it's a little bit unfair, I know. So, uh, I'm going to try and talk and sort a bit of tech out as we go through, but I, I said before that you're kind of like the middleman that you really, really want, and that you work to kind of as a bridge between like parents and children and teachers. Um, could you maybe like elaborate on kind of your role a little bit and how you work with the, the parents? Sure. Um, so I work with parents and schools all the time, forging a partnership between them. Um, it's done through team meetings. It's done through emails. Um, and it's done by coaching all different sides, coaching teachers on how to support children, coaching parents on how to approach teachers and vice versa. Um, and I think that, you know, everybody's on the same page to try and make kids successful. Um, and sometimes when we hit roadblocks, um, that partnership is so critical to helping the child become unstuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So uh, what do you mean when you say coaching? I know we didn't talk about this question, but when you coach, do you mean like I find it's always a bit of a, a, a sensitive situation for like a teacher such as myself. Sometimes I feel bad. I mean, I don't have children. Uh, so like to kind of coach a parent. But is that more your role? Um, and uh, like, where does the teacher come into that side of it? I guess. Um, so that's a good question. I mean, I see myself sort of coaching um parents and coaching teachers to kind mm -hmm. of forge how to kind of create the partnership and you know how to make it a working sort of partnership that makes sense for everyone and that feels good first and foremost so that the child in turn feels good um, you're right it is kind of a tricky area when a teacher approaches a parent on how to um, make them feel that they're not being criticized and i think that our job is always as you know people that support kids to make kids feel supported to start with the positives to see the positives and really feel the positives first and i think that then our armor can come off as parents right to really hear what the teacher is saying mm. yeah that's really important i think some parents probably have a bit of a wall up sometimes when a, when a teacher wants to talk to them look it's scary mm. it's scary to talk about things that are hard and no one wants to feel like their child is being criticized, everyone wants to feel like their child's being loved, nurtured, and supported, um, even when they're having challenges. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess you come across quite a few key themes in the work that you do, and, and I would imagine some themes have come to light a bit more pre-COVID and post all our lockdowns that we've had. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, um, I think some themes that I've kind of come across are kids are just unfortunately lacking more confidence. Um, parents are telling me that they are becoming more anxious, more and more anxious. Um, and another theme is, you know, this fear of taking risks, fear of failure, and um, the idea that kids are trying to be more and more perfect 
And we know that that doesn't really exist, but our culture sort of is dictating that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a lot of the work that I do in tandem with teachers and with parents in the home. Yeah, definitely. We talked about like that perfectionist culture and I guess like when we were when we were kids we didn't have social media and, and I would imagine that's a large part of your work and where a large part of these issues come from. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that the idea of filters and Instagram and people, you know, making themselves look perfect on social media, making their experience look perfect um, where they went, because we don't post the bad picture, we post the best picture, um, mm. the perfect picture, right? And we can do that through all those filters and different things like that. And the more that we um, get those likes, that's what's driving our feeling to feel good for the moment, right? A brief moment. And yeah. it's not coming from within. So mm -hmm. I feel like kids worry more and more about how to strive to achieve that perfectionist. Mm. And I guess like a link to my next guest is that I was thinking like, oh, it's probably only a high school issue, but I, that's probably not the truth. I don't think that's the truth. I see this in preschoolers, actually. Um, and that would be, you know, starting at age two, believe it or not, I get calls more and more about two-year-olds who are afraid to take risks, two-year-olds that are afraid to fail. Um, and this comes across in, for example, the monkey bars, let's say on the playground, like a really kind of basic thing, but kids who won't try the monkey bars because they're afraid they're not going to get it. Well, we know mm -hmm. that takes a lot of practice, right? Before mm -hmm. you can go from the first bar to the last. Um, and if they can't do it, quote unquote, right, they don't want to even take that risk. Why bother? Yeah. So how do you approach those kind of topics with parents then? Because I guess that, that sometimes does it come from the home with, all, with social media and with possibly some parents maybe not understanding how to set the boundaries. I, I, it's, it's hard sometimes for me as a teacher to understand that just because I didn't grow up with it. I think that um, it's a cultural phenomenon, not necessarily a home phenomenon. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, we have to realize that all these influences are influencing our kids. And I think that, you know, parents and teachers need to partner again together to let kids know that it's okay to make mistakes and to challenge them to make mistakes. So I like to have kids draw things like the not so perfect picture, you know, um, and, you know, talk about all the things that were wrong in the picture that you've discovered you ultimately love. There's a book called the beautiful oops. It's a children's book, and it kind of talks about how a painting started one way and then went um, in a different direction and turned out to be obviously beautiful. That's nice. Imperfections. That's really nice. What do you? What kind of age group would you go up to? I've never heard of that. Like the not so perfect picture. It's funny because the connotations that it might have, I guess. Um, I think you could really, believe it or not, I've done that with preschoolers, that challenge, and I've done that with high schoolers. And really? it's all about like the depth that the experience gives you, right? So <laughs> there's different layers that you can kind of peel back, like the onion, you can peel back and as deep as you can go. And it, it's a great springboard for a dialogue about, you know, aspiring for perfection or being okay when things fail and what kind of comes through failure. Mm hmm 
because I, I mean we this is kind of where I go to a lot of the time is like almost understanding like the psychology of a child um, and I know when you train as a teacher here and certainly when I did it it's not a massive topic that is touched on so I think that sometimes we try as teachers to touch on those subjects so we did Elmer this week it's about an elephant that's patchwork and all very different to the other elephants and so we talk about how it's okay to be different and we look at pictures of each other but I wonder like does that kind of just touch the surface of that topic um, and do you have to go a bit deeper? I think you can always go deeper. I think it sounds like a great start and I love the theme. And I guess I would always take these themes and talk about, you know, celebrating differences, not just the obvious ones, but, you know, within the home, within your culture, within the classroom and really, you know, making those things a great thing. But I really also think like when we talked about the perfectionist culture before, I think it's also about like allowing kids to take different risks. And I think mm -hmm. it's it's really important for kids to take risks in the classroom um, and showcase different things. Do you think, how do you, how do you think, how do you kind of encourage teachers to do that and to, to take more risks and to not be so afraid of failure? I think, like I saw it the other day in, in reception where a couple of the children had built a tower and I said, oh, let's try and climb on it. And two kind of got to the first step and thought like, no, no, I'm not doing this. And then another child came up and climbed all the way to the top and that encouraged the other children to do it. And that's like, like children encouraging children is what's, what would you say the best way is for kind of teachers and parents to be involved in that as well? Well, I love your example because that was, <laughs> that was peer modeling. Yeah. Modeling is the best way for kids to kind of gain courage, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I love also giving kids language around their feelings. And so talking about being brave is really like critical, I think, to helping kids understand that bravery comes from being scared and doing it anyway. And so when you give them the language and you give them a task and you have their peers to kind of model um, a process, all that kind of contributes to being more successful and less afraid to take risks. Yeah. And is, is there a balance there between like a teacher and an adult, I'll say a parent modeling it and then a child modeling it? Do, do you think one tips the scale a bit more? I think that's the whole kind of point to, you know, the conversation that we're having, which is that like, we're all kind of responsible, right, to model this behavior. And mm -hmm. the more we can kind of be authentic and model like our own fears, right, share with the classroom things that worry you, but you do them anyway. Um, and the more we can kind of be transparent in the home as parents, in the classroom as teachers, and, you know, helping students help students, I think the braver our kids are going to be. Also, like like in the classroom, you know, choosing books that really show that, you know, that ability to take the risk. One of my favorite books is called The Bubblegum Brain. It's a child book as well. It's by um, an author called Julia Cook. And in that book, um, you have the brick brain who refuses to do anything. And you have a bubblegum brain who is flexible, like gum stretches and changes and molds and in that way, we want our kids to be the bubblegum brain. And so we can read a book to our children and then we can use that language both at home and in the school that it's time to use a bubblegum brain and you know take a risk right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's sometimes where, I don't know about anyone listening, but where I find it tricky as a teacher is that 
like you said, to have that transparency at home and that we are all responsible to model the correct behaviours. And sometimes, not to be too honest, but I wonder what behaviour is modelled at home. And I guess that's where you have the beauty of seeing both sides of the child, like the home child and the school child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hmm I think, though, like we want to be careful too, though, that, you know, when you see homes... Um, every home has strengths. And I think like our job is to always like pull from the strengths of the home and pull from the strengths in the classroom, you know, and really sort of take both places, um, positive energies and, and really kind of team up together to, to harness those strengths for good. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever had parents that possibly are a little less keen to do it than other parents? Like, yeah, sure. I think because I think parents sometimes worry about being judged. Yes, um, yeah, definitely. So I think that, you know, our job is to really show compassion, kindness and caring mm-hmm. um, and for all people. And so I think that like, you know, if a parent feels like there's criticism or judgment, um, it makes it harder to really team up um, mm-hmm. and partner together. So I think that everything's really about um, how we approach a problem. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I in my head, I'm very black and white. And then I think as like in education, we have to not be so black and white, like you say, as to be to help forge a positive relationship. So what would be your tips for like the best way to like foster that positive teacher parent relationship? Because I'm sure that's also part of your job is to especially when you meet, I would say, like new families is to first foster that relationship of trust with parents. Um and I think we're so child focused that sometimes we see parents and we just want to kind of let them know and ha- ask them for help with their a child's, I don't know, the way they talk or how, what's something they've said. So I guess we have to be kept, we have to think about how we foster those parent relationships as well. So I wonder your, your tips for that. I think, um, I think it's great to really always, before you approach a parent, to think about what you genuinely like about the child, what inspires you. Because even in the most challenging child, you can find the good. And so I really think first for yourself, trying to find the good and see the good in the child before you reach out to that parent. So you can really focus on that first Mm-hmm. and then go and talk to the parent um, and focus on that goodness. So if you have a child that has a hard time sitting, um, but they are really spirited and fun and you know social, you really want to celebrate those pieces of them before you go into how that makes it difficult in the classroom. Um, and so we become open to hearing the struggle and to join in kind of creating plans when we know that our child is feeling loved um, by their teacher. And Mm. I think that that's probably the best kind of tip I can give would be to really celebrate a child's strengths before we touch upon a child's challenges. Yeah, definitely. Is that how you go in when you meet new parents? Yeah, I mean, I think that sort of positive parenting, um, positive connections, drawing upon strengths of children, and really understanding their strengths and who they are as people. And usually some of kids' greatest strengths are really their greatest challenges as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Same for us. (laughs) 
you know, as adults, <laughs> that the things that sort of make us unique and special are also the things that can be hard for us. So I think that the more we can kind of focus on that, the more, you know, we have effective connections with parents. It's interesting because I guess, you know, you're in America and we're in England, but children are children, aren't they? They um, are. <laughs> um, and, and I guess uh, strategies that work with children anywhere in the world would uh, be able to merge into other kind of cultures and countries, do you think? I do think so. I mean, I think our schooling might be a little different, but I think the idea that academics have become more demanding play mm-hmm. has become less of a thing over you know over the years there's less time for play there's less emphasis on um you know using imagination in the classroom and taking up time i think is is seen a, you know as a hindrance right to yeah. kids growth and progress and the pressure on teachers to have you started out before i came on i heard talking about tests and mm-hmm. you know those kinds of measures but you know sometimes with all that pressure and stress we forget about that i think your biggest job in the classroom is to create kind compassionate human beings and it's easy to forget about that with all the other stress that we have so i think no matter what country you're on you know mm-hmm. you're living in um trying to make your everyday goal overarching theme is that we want to create kinds compassionate human beings um and I think the rest will follow yeah no definitely so I think we touched on this a bit before but do you feel like your job has changed over the years I know you've been a social worker for like quite some time like has your job changed over the years have the has the the difficulties that you've had to help children along with have they changed over the years I think so I mean I think you know I've been doing this for 25 years and I think one of the (laughs) One of the things is that <laughs> is that um, you know kids are more anxious at younger ages. Kids are more depressed at younger ages. Um, mm. The influences kids are exposed to technology at younger ages. Yeah. Um, so I think when I started this, you know, technology wasn't a thing at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with the pandemic, you touched on that before. Technology has become more and more used. Um, because, you know, it made sense. Kids were home and isolated and, and a way to kind of build upon, you know, connecting with other people was through electronics. So you might have given, I had kids who were four years old who would have never been exposed to an electronics device. Um, mm-hmm. We're now sort of being given iPads as a way to communicate. But the problem is that um, you can't sort of take it away as easily. And it brings about um, other challenges. And I guess it's tricky, like I said before, in that probably the the parents in this generation, like you said, we said, like, didn't grow up with those things. So I always kind of think, like, I would take my parenting from how I grew up and how I was kind of looked after and parented. But if children are using things that we never had as as children, then it's hard probably to find those, set those boundaries for the children sometimes. It's hard for children and it's hard for us, right? Yes, yeah. So I think like one of the most challenging things is, you know, we talked before about like parents modeling, teacher modeling, and, you know, I think the best way is to lead by example. So the best way to show um, self-regulation around electronic devices is to model you putting your phone down 
teachers, mm-hmm. you know, putting their phone down and really being present and being good listeners. Mm-hmm. Because at the, the end of the day, we all just want to be heard and listened to. Mm-hmm. And I know as a child, and I wonder if it still happens now, that we always had dinner at the dinner table together. And it's just like simple things like that that bring people together. And also the the curriculum for reception for the early years is like really heavily based around language now. So I think children are losing the language because of social media. Do you find that when you speak to parents and that, that possibly affects the way that children aren't able to explain how they're feeling sometimes because they're not so not getting the type of language that maybe children 20, 30 years ago would have got at the dinner table? Mm-hmm, sure. I mean, people, I always encourage families to have dinner, family dinner together. It's something I mm-hmm. loved about growing up. It's something I do in my own household. And, you know, really making that a time where it's a non-negotiable rule to put down your phone and really verbally communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, even if there's fighting, because that's how we work out problems, right? So yeah. If you have mm-hmm. multiple kids in the house fighting, that's a great way to um, work on problem solving and um, turn taking and all the skills that we want and, and feelings. And so I think you're right that the more that we can kind of talk to each other and really be present to speak, to listen, to hear our children um, in the classroom, at home, you know, the more our kids are going to be able to speak about thoughts, feelings, and, and what happened in the day. I love old school journal writing as a way to, mm. between parent and child, between teacher and children, as a way to process and begin to build that language that they need. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's all about, like we said, like kids getting kids to be the best version of themselves and I think like we said with perfectionist culture and with all the social media that is out there that's not just going to happen it's something that has to be like a collaborative task between I guess teacher and parent how do you how do you bring the best version out of a child or I guess how do you kind of coach parents to be able to do that with with Yeah, I'm just thinking about your question. I mean, to be the best version of ourselves is really to accept our faults, right? Mm-hmm. And to allow to for us as teachers, as parents, as a, you know, anything to kind of show children that mm-hmm. we accept them even with their, you know, limitations or even with their less than perfect kind of things, as long as we're always working to be, as you say, the best version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that comes from parents always at the end of the day, maybe celebrating um, the victories of the day. Uh, So if you have a challenging child and, you know, during dinner, they never could sit still. But today at dinner, they sat still for five minutes. We want to really acknowledge that to the child and show them that um, we're really proud of that tonight they really made an effort to sit for longer at the dinner table or we want to praise a child for sharing their feelings in a calm way with Mm -hmm. their parents and we want to acknowledge it and we want to really listen and and try to give them what they want when they use sort of calm language to express themselves and I think that's just how we can be the best version of ourselves both as a parent to do that calm listening and as a child you know it's all from the top down the whatever we model goes down to the child and they in turn follow. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's you've got. I think you have to be careful what you put out on social media as well, because, like you say, it's it's almost like a fake best version of yourself. And I guess a lot of adults are very guilty of doing that as well. And like you say, to parent modelling and adult modelling is just as important as modelling in the classroom. Yeah, and I think I think the way actually, as you were talking, I was thinking about the way to be the best version of ourselves as parents and as you know, to get our children there is for educators and for parents to be vulnerable. Mm. And I think the more we share with our kids about our own vulnerabilities and our own mistakes, um, you'd be surprised at how kids really want to hear that because it gives them permission to also be not so perfect all the time. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find parents that are surprised at when you make those suggestions? Um, I think it's hard for them. Mm. Or I think sometimes people think that if you're being vulnerable and you tell your child about a time you got in trouble in the classroom, sometimes <laughs> parents worry that, is that giving the child permission to be bad, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's it's not that. I think it's giving the child permission to just not be perfect. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's important. I think I never thought of it as parent modeling, but... I think that's a really important phrase, especially nowadays with, uh, like we said, all the social media that's out there. Um, so I guess kind of like to end off, uh, we talked a lot about like children having lack of confidence and a lack of self-esteem, which is, would you say that's quite a new thing for children or it's just showing itself in a different way now with social media? I certainly think that it's happening more and more. Um, and I don't think it's just um, social media, but I also think it's... Um, lack of time, lack of um, unstructured activities, and, and lack of, you know, practice to just play and be a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they've lost time to just be children, haven't they? And especially, I guess the pandemic played a big part in that, because say, if you if you lived in a flat or in an apartment building, you, you didn't have a garden to really go out and play in. Sure. Um, and I guess that's kind of where you take your risks isn't it with more so probably with being outdoors in the open yeah and any free play where you can use your imagination because during free play that's when we sort of take those risks um Mm -hmm. you know when you're building your towers with legos when you're outside running around um we can pretend we can you know build that confidence in climbing a tree or whatever you're doing Mm mm-hmm it's interesting because with my move from uh, year six, which is the oldest year group here, um, down to reception, and it's all about continu- like free play and very open. And I've, uh, I- I'm in the process of being convinced that it's a good thing just because I've done many year groups where it's very much objective-based and hopefully there's teachers in that are listening as well that maybe see it this way as well. And... There's, I think with the early years, it's finding that balance, like you say, of the free play where they learn to take risks. And it's a lot a bit, a bit like reading. And I've seen with the older children that if they don't have that passion for reading instilled at a young age, to try and do it when they're 10 or 11 is, is difficult. Um, and again, with taking risks and having that, have that confidence and that, that no fear of taking risks that if we possibly don't instill that when they're young, it, it makes it trickier when they're older, especially with everything that is available to them on the internet nowadays. Sure, that's way more enticing. So I think <laughs> you know, the more we can kind of promote 
play, imaginative play, unstructured time, boredom. Those are all really good things. Yeah, no, definitely. What would be your, your top tips then for, I guess, for parents and then on the flip side for teachers for kind of building that confidence back up again and allowing them to have strong self-esteem? I think we got to make our kids competent to build their confidence. And I think mm -hmm. we can do that in simple everyday tasks, um, giving your kids um, jobs around the house. Ultimately, that makes them competent people, which makes them feel good. Um, giving your kid, um, whatever age your kid is, finding different tasks around the house to be helpful, um, to not always do for them. Um, so that they can try and make it okay when they don't do it quote-unquote right or by your standard because you know let's face it when you ask a kid to clean the floor at mm -hmm. our age we're going to do it much better than the child um, mm -hmm. so being okay that they just gave it effort so I would say that would be for parents um, and for teachers I would say you know we, we need to focus so much has been written about praising effort Right. And so when we praise the efforts of kids, we praise them trying and um, we foster a sense of um, confidence in our children. Mm. So in that respect, it's not always about the end result, is it? It's about more like they've gone through the process. Exactly. And it's, in, it's interesting because I find um, in maths, it's probably one of the subjects where you get possibly some of the biggest amounts of anxiety. I don't know if you see that with the children you've worked with. Um, and I find that sometimes if you give them the answer and just get them to kind of show the process or the method, it's a little less, there's a little less anxiety involved because it's more about going through the process than just getting the end result. Absolutely. And I think that, like, I always say to people, like, focus on the process, not the product, right? And that's what you're saying mm -hmm. with the math. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, that's a great example of a way to get a kid to really think without the pressure. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a nice way to put it. How do you I know how I would possibly implement that in the classroom. How would you suggest a parent would implement it at home? Like thinking without the pressure? Um, I think that I always tell parents if a child um if the reading assignment is um stressful for them, you may not like this as a teacher, but if a child, <laughs> if a child is, you know, mandated to read fifteen to twenty minutes a night, right? And mm -hmm reading is stressful for them let's let's think outside the box let's get a book on tape let's read mm -hmm. to the child mm -hmm. um, because really at the end of the day we want the child to develop a love of reading you started there i believe with talking about reading and a, tale, mm -hmm. reading a quote and let's harness their love of reading rather than focus on the arduous task of making them read every single mm -hmm. word um, mm -hmm. and setting that timer for 15 minutes so i think that's one way um, to kind of let it be about the process of reading yeah yeah no I think it's really it's been really interesting and I know I, I always come to you with uh, advice for how to deal with some of the children and also like I said it's not just not just for teachers to, to talk to children and to build relationships with children I think it's also really important that we build relationships with parents um which is I, I guess where, where you come in a lot of the time 
Yeah, absolutely. Kids are with you more than they're with their parents. And yeah. So recognizing sort of the strong influence you have over a child and the impact that you as teachers have over the children is so critical to their growth and development. So partnering with those parents to all be using the same language and to all be working on the same sort of skills um, and really celebrating children. I think that's that's really what it's all about. Yeah. I think that's really important that partnering with a parent um, and then also just thinking more about like the process and not so much the end product. Mm -hmm. I guess that's where a lot of the stress comes from for children. So just it, it takes the it kind of takes the risk. I know we want them to take risks, but I guess for some children that takes almost the element of risk away in some tasks It's not about the end result, about the process, about it being about the process. Yeah, and that is taking a risk, right? Because when you're when you have no anxiety, you're more or low anxiety, you're more mm -hmm. likely to take that risk and engage in the process. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh, well, it's been really lovely talking to you. And I hope everyone's uh, found some inspiration and just maybe it's unlocked a little puzzle that you might have had with a child in your class and that you'll be able to use some of the ideas and the suggestions. So thank you very much for calling in all the way from America. <laughs> it's Thanks been for having amazing. Me. You're welcome. We're going to in a minute move on to the early years where I'm, I'm sure, Lisa, you have had uh, many conversations with early years and parents or I guess kindergarten parents in your time uh, working with teachers and parents. So, yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. So I hope you really uh, enjoyed that, everybody. If you have any questions, please post them in the chat. Uh, we'd be happy to answer them. So I think just to kind of sum up, because there's it's such a big thing. You know, people think teacher and they think children, but actually it's not always about the children. Sometimes the hardest relationship I find as a teacher is the one with a parent and parent modeling that matches teacher modeling is sometimes the hardest thing to accomplish. So I think it's a really important relationship to build. And because teaching is not my, my first career, I was an events manager many moons ago. I think one of the skills I brought with me as a transferable skill is that I knew how to talk to clients. So whether it's a, a good analogy or not, sometimes I think is the parents as my clients. Um, and uh, use my skills from that job many moons ago. So partnering with parents, I think it's really important. Maybe it works differently in high school because I know you possibly rarely see parents and that's that's actually one of the things I didn't enjoy so much about year six is that I didn't see the parents so often and I love building a relationship with parents. I think it's so important to be on the same page and on the same side as a parent. So helps us to foster confidence with children. Um, I also think what's very important, and like I said, I've always thought about this in terms of a maths lesson, but to have a child understand that it's not about the product, it's not about the end product, it's about the process and how you get there, and to allow them to think without having any pressures. So, and I really think a lot of the things we talk about um, start early on and in the early years, and if we don't get children to be confident and to love taking risks in the early years it really does become harder the older that they get so I think it's been really interesting so I'm gonna try and play an ad play some ad breaks and hopefully the news 
Um, fingers crossed that the technology is on my side. Let's see if this works. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses? All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. So, very good. Lovely. Some of the technology is working for me. Uh, just going to see if we can play a bit of the news. And thank you, Jenny, for messaging in. We will definitely have a chat about some primary class children that are stuck in roles. And I definitely agree with you on that one. So, hopefully, we can get some news. Can we? No, we cannot get the news at the moment, but that is okay. I would imagine the news is that there is no petrol um, and uh, hopefully there will be petrol soon and I hope you all have bread and food in your cupboards um, and I will try and get us to the Teachers Talk Radio news. But um, if I could just welcome in my next guest. Uh, Christy, are you there? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you? I'm good. I've got my one-year-old at my sister's house now, and I'm in the office with my headphones on my mobile, but I'm ready. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, teachers are nothing, and early years teachers are nothing, if not resourceful. So (laughs) I'm ready. Amazing. You just have to be prepared, really, in the early years, and and that's what the early years is about. Yeah. And that's how we make it work, but it's the best year. That's what I'm going to say, because I've been an early years teacher for 10 years, and I put... I've never had an inkling to want to go to another year group, to be fair, ever. Yeah, it's interesting because I I do feel like early years teachers kind of stay in the early years a lot of the time. Um, I think it's because it's, to be fair, I I think all teachers should start in the early years because every time it comes to July and the head teacher tells you where you're going to go, if you're from Key Stage 2 and you try and come down, it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. And what happens is when you get kids coming into key, key stage two, maybe EAO, et cetera, and it's phonics, some of the key stage two teachers, not all, find mm. it difficult to teach yeah. phonics. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think early years is, which is a completely different curriculum and a completely different way of teaching, but we'll, we'll discuss that. Um, but obviously I'm going to say it's the best because I'm just, I love the early years. It's my thing. 
I love it. Phonics is my thing. <laughs> yeah, I think, did you say you've, you've been in early years for 10 years? And have yeah. you been a phonics lead for 10 years as well? Yeah. Amazing. And then this year, new curriculum. Yes. So it's funny, new curriculum this year. So obviously this year, I just had a baby. I've got oh, a new, well. I start school in September, I've got a new curriculum. And mm-hmm. literally today I was on a course looking at um, phonics programs to see which programs have been validated to see which mm-hmm. ones we may be potentially used. Yeah. So it's all happening this year. Absolutely. I have to tell you, you're yeah. preaching to the choir because I don't know if you heard, but I was in year six last year. You know this because I think our, yeah. if I look at our Instagram chat, it's just me asking like every early years teacher <laughs> for advice yeah. and, and help of trying to make sense of it because I came from year six, which yeah, is yeah. like the most. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally the most like test based year in primary school. And yeah. I was just like, but when's the maths lesson? And when's the English yeah. lesson? And when do I do my topic lesson? And my co-teacher's like, no, 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 it doesn't work. And I was like, what I do you mean? I know, it is. They get so bad. I'll be honest, even when I was in NQT and I first started and I went to the classroom, I literally, I think I burst out crying because I was like, what um, on earth? And what do I do? Yeah. And they're just everywhere. And I always say to NQTs when they start, I was like, it's, it's a good year to start because it's a year that you can make your mistakes in such a... Um, in kind of a creative way mm-hmm. and that's and that is the early years because early years is it's a create it's a creative curriculum in a sense that not as a creative curriculum but it's a sense of um it's a curriculum that you the children learn through their play so you plant the seed or they plant the seed and you go with it which is perfect really mm. because you can and it's but it's so different to the more, more formal way of teaching yeah do you i almost think that it, early years teacher it should be like a different qualification yeah. almost you know it's just like you say it's so different to the rest of the school and I, yeah. and I I also think that the biggest transition in schooling is reception to year one yeah that that's the hardest transition yeah it is because it's where you're gonna I think is a lot of schools it's depending on how you're gonna when they transition to year one you should really keep it the same as a free flow until mm-hmm. a certain time and then you slowly slowly mm-hmm. kind of because you've got my bit in early years Really, in early years, in a reception class, you shouldn't have loads of tables. You shouldn't have seats for everybody because that's not how not that's not how they learn. But you, well, I always thought as a practitioner that I don't want them to lose the love of teaching. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. learning. Mm-hmm. So I just think straight away when we have every year September, I have parents come in. Oh, Mrs. Um, Miss, my my child's very clever. He can know the alphabet. But really, deep down, how does the alphabet help? Yeah. little ones read mm-hmm. so and I, I completely understand that because obviously I mean like my sister she had a little one or oh, she's 13 now but when she first started she she goes what's this what's this phonics what is this yeah mm-hmm. she, she goes what she goes and then I say to my class now when you go home and your mummy says R, you say no <laughs> yes I do, and I do teach I do parent workshops to show and I teach the parents how I will teach the class yeah, because it's a different world. It Absolutely, really I don't remember learning phonics. I mean, I I don't even know how else you would teach to read now. Yeah, it, I know. It, like it's not unless it's they're not sight words unless you learn tricky words. Again, that's a whole other thing. But they're mm. words that you can't sound out. But phonics, yeah. I always try and explain this to everyone. I don't, and the words always cat. I said if you said to somebody C A T, but you said cat, yeah, yes, which is more like plausible. Yeah, cat. Yeah. But then it's a different, like I said, with phonics is obviously for a lot of us, we didn't learn that at school. Mm-hmm. So, but um, yeah, the early years, I love the early years. It's my thing. <laughs> like, honestly, and phonics is, like, I'm, I'm so passionate about phonics. 
yeah do you know what I I love actually about early years and also year one is that you see the most progress like it's just so in your face like how much they advance from September to even like the spring term and I know what you were saying about how reception and year one should almost mirror each other a little bit so it's like a, a softer transition and I I did that with my maths in year one I had two focus tables where they were doing work related to like our teaching objective and like three that were say continuous provision but focused around maths Mm. um and I have to say by the spring term I could almost tell that they were a little bit like over it for want of a better phrase and that they'd like naturally become ready to have more formal maths lessons um, yeah I mean spring term is the time that you see them grow I mean mm. great. You, when you come back from that half term and they come in you think oh my goodness yeah and they've suddenly and you when you see yeah. the assessment you do the data drop you think oh my goodness they've suddenly just mm-hmm. they just kind of because what happens is they're, they're sponges really and you mm-hmm. should really like I'd say to every NQT or all teachers like use that use mm-hmm. that as much as you can if you're I mean with the little ones, it's just they ask and they want to learn. You can see mm-hmm. they want to learn. Mm-hmm. So anything, any opportunity in your class, like you said, continuous provision, everything you do should be a learning opportunity, even for the sense of when we get our little ones ready to go to lunch. I'm, I always say, who's sitting nicely? Let's see. First row, is it second row? And mm-hmm. right there, you're teaching ordinal language. Mm-hmm. So yeah. any opportunity, you kind of, you, you go there. But you've got, but obviously, I mean, I was telling my sister just now, you've really got to think about the language in the sense of, um, the other day when I said, I think my TA said, she goes, so little boy, are you school dinners or are you packed lunch? And he was just looking and he could see him like confused. Mm. So she goes, are you school dinners? Are you packed lunch? And he said, no, my name is Tom. <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah. burst out laughing. <laughs> uh, thought, you must have done the baseline as well. Yeah. And like I did nine today and it's just you've got to laugh like to yourself in your head because there's one question where you read a story and it yes. says mum bought this and this and then you say to the children mum bought this what else did she buy and literally it's just like the most random yeah, stuff they have they have no idea you're talking about the story that you read to them two seconds ago <laughs> I know I'll be honest I don't I've done all the baseline um I'm not 100% convinced that I like it mm. in that sense because I feel I mean, oh, what well, you know me so far, I'm very, like, animated. I, even now I'm talking, I'm using my hands. Yeah, very, for sure. Like, yeah. that's, that, I'm an early teacher, like, yeah. through yeah. and through. And I just think the baseline was very much like, so, I'm going to give you two bears. Yeah. Give me one more. And I felt it was very much kind of read a script. And I, I, I don't like that. I, that's what I think yeah. early is, is not about. Like, like I said, I just saw a phonics uh, program that we're thinking maybe we'll do it. But, again, it seems very formal. It's kind of, follow this this is your script but I've just yeah. said early years is not about a script yes no early years is about I mean me as a practitioner I with my phone I've always grabbed things from different programs I liked I mm-hmm. quite like the pattern for read or ink but I don't like the way they move the children around um I like the Johnny Phonics songs but then I don't use the Johnny Phonics songs for the whole year because it's, it's just too many songs mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's kind of I just think and also on your cohort you kind of sometimes you've got a really mature cohort sometimes you've got I had a cohort once was 27 boys at the whole, basically we, I just taught outside for the whole year. Oh my God. Wow. You just have to adapt your teaching, you adapt your environment. So I just feel like Mm -hmm. the baseline for me personally, Mm -hmm. I think I understand we have to do it and it's a DFE thing, but I just think it's a bit, I don't think you get a true result of what, what the children can do. Like especially the EAL children, it's just, Mm. I don't know. So we'll, we'll see. 
It's interesting because uh, one of my friends is an, uh, another EY. I feel like I was meant to be in early years because most of my friends teach early years. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, and so Charlene uh, is listening in and just gave a bit of advice to Jenny. We'll get to Jenny's in a minute. And she also said, when I talk about phonics, oh. like my school used a specific one and my old school used a different one. Yeah. I was like, but I don't like this bit of that one. And I already know the rhymes for this one. And it's like a letter yeah. is a letter. So actually, she said, like you said, to use like a bit of, yeah. The, the, the best of bit, the best of everything almost and what works for you no 100 and, and also like what your cohort what your class is like that you may feel like I mean some years every obviously like every year I've been in the early years and every year to me is different and it's mm-hmm. like you're planning we plan I mean don't get me wrong I do plan but then sometimes I literally get my pen out that didn't work scrap it or yeah, yeah. we consolidate or we go backwards or we do but that's mm-hmm. what the early years is and that's what's nice about it but yeah, yeah I, I 100 with the phonics I'm I'm 100% with grabbing like magpie and bits, this here, this there, because I just think mm-hmm. having just using one formal strategy is just, for me, I just feel it's a bit rigid. Mm. I don't know. But there's some people that just but I don't yeah. know. And I just think the early years allows you to do that because mm-hmm. that's the curriculum. Like you're learning through play. It's very child initiated. So really your teaching can be child initiated because if your children like active learning or they don't like active learning, you can go from there. So... I mean, I haven't done active learning for phonics, but I'm going to try on on a Monday because I've got observation. So why not? <laughs> oh no! What <laughs> do you not? mean? What do you mean by active learning for all the all us key stage two teachers and uh, so active learning so in example, the room? <laughs> so because we haven't we haven't. Um, I was going to take example. I'm going to do on Monday. I, I've literally just thought of it just now, to be honest, like about <laughs> an hour ago, and that's the best way of thinking. I think absolutely. Is, yeah, hundred percent. Nothing works. When you get a pen, get a pencil is never going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just about, for example, so Monday I've got a phonics um, lesson. Head teacher wants to come and watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm going to do, I know for a fact that on this time it's going to be the N phoneme. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, you know what? What's linked to N? And I thought first straight away, I thought, let's be aeroplanes. I thought, get them outside. Let's get a big chalk. Let's write on the playground. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do to start the lesson, I'm even going to come in and pretend to be an aeroplane and yep. not even talk. <laughs> and just get and so it's when they're not sitting down formally or on the carpet for 15 minutes 20 minutes and you're teaching with a whiteboard yeah the interactive whiteboard's good don't get me wrong but it doesn't it's a memorable teach for me so phonics is always a memorable teach so memorable in a sense of they will remember that lesson Mm -hmm. so getting them up getting them active even Mm -hmm. when you feel like they're sitting in the carpet too long I'm like quick let's run around the playground for like three laps get them going that helps myself as well um, just to get them going and to learn through active play, um, for, especially for the boys, they love yeah. that. They yeah. love that. So, so that is your active learning. Active learning is the best. Yeah, it's funny because I mean, like with we used a scheme at my old school, and, and I really loved it. Like I think it worked really well, but you know, it was very like here's your script, do it this way. Mm. And I'm a very creative teacher, and this is why, like year six kind of killed my teacher soul a little bit because I'm very I am very much like okay I followed I followed the script mostly because I understand how what that it worked mm. um but you know I used to go off piste every now and again because it's year one and like you say you've got to have fun with them yeah um, and, and you have to think outside the box and I just think especially in year six and the teachers that I worked with were amazing but they were very much like black and white this is the smart board this is the worksheet yeah. and like I I have a friend that's key stage two and I spoke to her and I was like does you is it can you have fun in year six <laughs> like is it at all possible and she's like yeah of course and do you think mm. that 
teachers that aren't so creative and don't know how to kind of adapt in a moment's notice can do early years? Um, yeah, to be fair, yes, because with early, um, I don't know, with early, with early years, like reception nursery, specifically reception, you have to be able to think on your feet mm-hmm. on a sense of that didn't work, what we're going to do kind of thing. And being creative, maybe not, but to be able to adapt very quickly, yes. Yeah. Because if it doesn't work, you've got 30 kids staring at you thinking, what are we doing now, miss? Mm-hmm. And I just kind of, like, I, I'm lucky that I've, I've got the years behind me, but if you're NQT, it's difficult. Yeah. But that's why I push the NQTs to always, because I've mentored NQTs, and I, and I said to them, make your mistakes. And they say to me, oh, have you look at this plan? What do you think? And I was like, do you know what? <laughs> I, I Really, I should look at your plan and say, mm, yes or no, but I'm not going to, because just go for it. And even if it didn't work, then you know it didn't work. Yeah. And then next time you think, you know what, I can do that. So, I mean, that happened to me as an NQT. And I remember getting a lesson. I think, like, what they do is I'm going to give them all a number and then they're going to they're gonna stand in the correct order from 1 to 10. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, 1 <laughs> to 30. Really? <laughs> that didn't work, did it? Of course it didn't yeah. work. Yeah. And then I learned that from now. And obviously, then I never did it again. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I think, I don't, I th- create, to be in creative, um, I think, no, you can still be creative in QSAC. I just think in the reception, you need to be able to think on your feet. Yeah, no, absolutely. And actually, so. Jenny asked, uh, I find that my class, as she's primary, are stuck in roles. Um, it's the same ones that speak up and the same ones that stay quiet. And she'd love to hear different voices. She's used cold calling, talking yeah. tokens, and that works. But there's a lot of children that kind of don't volunteer oral answers. And I guess that's where, like you say, like active learning and kind of, Maybe taking children the off them. Yes, yeah, taking them out of that kind of sitting on a classroom floor, looking at a 100%. whiteboard environment. Hundred um, percent. Because I think, I mean, there's some children, like you said. I mean, what I know that won't talk in a big group. I've got one little boy that doesn't talk, doesn't answer the register. That's fine mm-hmm. by me. I wave. He looks at me. Happy days. Yes, that's fine. But it's because some children don't want to talk in a big group. Yeah, and that's why I think if you're, if you have got, if you have the opportunity to teach them when it's not so formal and they're all sitting on the carpet, that's when you're going to see the, the little ones or the children come to you and maybe and even even little signs to, that you know, oh, they want to speak to me. But you don't have that kind of pressure. Also, a good um, advice for that one is sometimes when I've had kids like that, I would ask them a question that I know they know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they don't have the pressure to think, oh, my goodness, what does she, what does she want me to say? What does she want to do? But I, we've already discussed it. So I know there's no pressure there, but because it is quite a lot of pressure for like a little one to say something when there's like yeah. 30 kids on the carpet and there's like yeah. two adults in the classroom looking at them going, oh, absolutely. what's the answer? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit like uh, Lisa said before about it being about the process and not the product. So yeah, it's 100%. like, if you can even put your hand up and, yeah, you know, say something or like you say, even answer the register, it's like, that's a starting point and it's no, not 100%. so much about putting your hand up with an answer it's even just being able to put your hand up and be brave enough to do that I think being happy in the environment I do a lot of role playing with my TA my poor TA every time I have my TA <laughs> it's like she's the thickest person but we do it on purpose so that the kids think no oh it's okay to make a mistake it's yeah wrong. we do that all the time obviously I never get anything wrong but my poor TA I'm always like what do you think and she'll say something if I say dog dog and she'll say rainbow and I look at them and the kids go it's not rainbow but it's good because they, yes. they can see you mm. know what she's not she doesn't she's not correct but that's fine mm. 
And that I think role playing with another adult works so well. Mm-hmm. I've done it for I do it for the whole year. Mm-hmm. For the whole year I do that. Like yeah. with phonics, with this, with lining up. Like mm-hmm. I even do that if I say to the kids, right, let's all line up. I'll push right in the middle and I'll just stand there and I, and I turn around to the kids and I was like, yeah, what's wrong? And they do look at me and then my tear will say, Miss, you need to go to the back. And I said, oh, sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. A lot of role playing, a lot of like um, with the adults. I just think it's a big thing. That helps a lot of the kids that are not are really sceptical about saying anything or shy or because mm-hmm. it's okay to make mistakes. And I push, I do that all the way through the year. But a lot of um, key stage teachers, they, they can't see that. I, I know I can yeah. see in my school. They look at me like, mm. <laughs> it's, it's about like teacher modeling isn't it and like yeah modeling doesn't always mean showing it the right way because the exactly. kids the kids love it I mean I did it in year six because mm. it just you get like a laugh in it like in a maths lesson where you're trying to teach long division it's okay. like me making a mistake lightens the mood in the room you know yeah, like exactly. it really changes the energy and for reception that's you just it's so perfect you need then Charlene is right she said in early years you're an entertainer yeah, 100%. You're an entertainer, <laughs> you're a nanny, you're everything. Yeah. But then I love that. Like, I love that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it also, as a, as your character stuff, like, I've always been, like, quite a talky person. I'm quite bubbly. I've always like that. My husband mm-hmm. would say something different. But um, <laughs> like, I will talk, I will, I've always said that to all my tears. I'll talk to a dog on the street. I'm like that. Hmm. And if you can, and that's why in the early as well, like, you, you spoke about parents in your last um, t- mm-hmm. interview. Mm. Parents is a big thing that early is. You mm-hmm. get them on your side, yes. you're laughing. Yeah. Kind of thing. Because they really, when they first start, the parents are so nervous. They're thinking, right, this is the teacher. And if you're quite, not if you're quite formal, if you're quite strict, you kind of, you need to be in that door. And I always say to all my team, if I'm not there, someone be at the door when they come in. Mm-hmm. So there's an adult there. Mm-hmm. Because you need to be there to be, oh, look, how are you doing? And even, I say to the parents now, I say, even if you want to say to me, oh, you know what? They didn't have a good sleep last night. It's fine. You can mm-hmm. tell me whatever mm-hmm. you want because, yeah. and it's fine because I know some parents are a bit like, mm, I don't know, that's not good. They did go to bed at the correct time. It's fine. Don't worry because I don't want the love of learning to go from reception. Mm-hmm. And I just feel so, not saying about my school, it's any schools, all schools, it's generally as the kids get older, it becomes a bit more formal. Yeah. And I think um, you got you have to be it's difficult but then it's difficult with my parents in reception because they say I sit them down miss I've got them with a pencil and a paper and I'm thinking mm-hmm. that's the worst thing you can do with these little yeah. things yeah so and when I say to them put something underneath a table put their t- put um get them to write in sand they look at me like what <laughs> so and that, and when we had the pandemic the year of lockdown I was actually pregnant that time and all the videos I did and I had to make my husband be the dumb one so we could model oh, it no. Yeah, I've got like even oh, so many people when I was sitting that video, they said you should put it on YouTube. And I thought, no, no, we're not going to do that. But I had to because I had to show them it's okay to be like that. Like, don't worry. And I said to him, oh, Mr. Taylor, being very silly. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't understand the question. <laughs> so it just, but it goes a long way. It's, it's yeah. funny at the time, yeah. but it does go a long way with these kids because they, yeah. they, they remember it. I gotta so, say, I, I've yet to meet an early years teacher, and I know Charlene will back me up on this. That doesn't have a puppet in their classroom. Oh yeah, but <laughs> yeah, for teaching, my mine is an old man that we call Grandpa, <laughs> and and Grandpa doesn't speak properly, so he's he yes. helps us with our phonics. <laughs> yes, perfect. And I know, like, it's good. I've gotta say, if there's teachers that are listening and you're like primary, high school, whatever, kids are kids, and if you pretend a puppet is talking to you, it's whatever it is it's going to lighten the mood in the classroom whether they're like yeah. 
12, 14 or four, I think. <laughs> Even I know it sparks interest, doesn't it? I remember going for an interview once before I was at this school and I had all my books in my bag. And what I did was I grabbed this um, teddy bear that I had. Um, it was like a frog and I had it and I had this head sticking out on purpose. So I walked in <laughs> and straight away I got the interest. And then mm. the, after when I had the interview, the head teacher said to me, oh, you didn't use the frog for, the, for your interview. And I said, I said, no, I did. Did you not notice when I walked in, they all, straight away they looked at the frog and I had their attention yeah. straight away. And I didn't even use the frog. Yeah. And that was my purpose. Yeah. So, I mean, so yeah, it doesn't matter. Year six, year five, you, you're, if you're, mm. you talk to them and you're, you kind of not, I want to say you'd go down to the level, but actually, yeah, you would, but mm. just being funny and, or being silly or being it, they like it because they are, they're, they're still children. They're still mm-hmm. children. Yeah. So yeah. there's so much pressure with the whole key stage to the sats and this, this. So I just think yeah. if you can kind of like lighten the mood or do something, mm-hmm. or even I do this so many times sometimes. I like walking, I trip over hours sometimes. They think it's so funny. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, I need a plaster. They just think yeah. it's hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. So I just think, I mean, I love that, but I mean, some teachers maybe not. Yeah, so. no, I, you're right. I mean, I, for year six, I dressed up as Queen Victoria because we were doing <laughs> the Victorians and pretended I'd walked out of a time machine when I'd really walked out of my cupboard and like exactly. like majority were like enamored with it and then I had one girl come up to me and say Miss Lax history is my new favorite subject and I was like it's not like I had like given her amazing facts or anything mm. like that you know it was it's just like it was memorable yeah, yeah yeah like I really think and then reception I, I don't know what you think is like quite good for this that that a hook is so important yeah yeah, um, 100%. I mean, even, um, I mean, and it, to be honest, going back to when we were conversation with my head teacher, she said, oh, you want to change your role play? And I said, yes. I said, I think we might do a hospital. And she said to me, oh, she goes, but should you leave it quite open? But then sometimes there is no seed. Sometimes you have to plant the seed. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand early years is child initiated. I understand that. However, sometimes when the kids come to you, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking to yourself, but you know what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I said, you know what? We've had so many kids fall over on the playground. This is why don't we make a hospital? Why don't we make a doctor's? And you, because I don't want to do something like a vet because some kids don't have pets or some kids don't yeah. have this or a garden. Like you need to do something that I mean, every child really knows a hospital or doctors. Mm. So I said, let's go with that. And then straight away we put our kind of the first aid sign up. We made it, and then straight away some of the kids came up to me. And they said, "Is it going to be a hospital?" And I said, "Yes." And they said, "Oh, I like that. Uh-huh. That I've hurt myself many times. I get a plaster, and the, and then we've got them." So and yeah. it is child initiated earlier, but sometimes you have to plant the seed. Yeah, it's a, I think that's so. the that's the balance where I was a bit like stuck at the beginning because mm. when I, I set up in my mind this amazing construction station, and I was like, why aren't they using it? It's just yeah. it's so nice. <laughs> I know then, they're just not interested, isn't it? I know it's hard. I don't think they knew what to do with it even. Exactly. You know? So no, that, exactly. Because you've got kids from different, you've got kids from different backgrounds, different, mm. and you don't know. So you've got to think of something. Not you don't think that. Unless I don't give you anything, but you've got to think of something that that all of them be able to um, kind of use or know how to use it or uh, be okay to approach it. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's difficult. But it's difficult. And I completely understand. Like I said, when I was at NQT, I just burst out crying. So I thought, what do I do? It's yeah. just like loads of children walk, like running around in this, and I just thought. You know what, what? What? What am I supposed to? What am I supposed to do? But then, year after year, year after year, I was like, oh, I think I get this now. And then now, mm-hmm. it, is, it is me. And I think you have to have that mindset of you kind of just have to chill and relax and go with the flow. But that's very hard to do when you mm-hmm. first go in there. Yeah, but, 
Definitely, I found that difficult. So I, I think, I wonder, I don't know if we have like a range of teachers that are listening. You know, we've got Ishan. Hi, Ishan. Um, let us know in the chat what you kind of want to talk about or if you've got anything to add. So yes. ca- can you explain EYFS to people who have never seen an EYFS classroom? <laughs> okay, EYFS. So I would say it's all <laughs> colourful. Um, so I would say it's a, cl- it's a curriculum that you learn through play. So and I, I'm not going to name names, but I just got to say, come on, stage two teachers, they walk in. Or, actually, no, I could name one person, but I won't. I would say <laughs> my husband of, oh, don't you just look after the kids? Okay. Because <laughs> they're only little. I was like, really? <laughs> we don't have, a, no, don't have a master's in teaching. It's just, that's just a slap in the face, isn't it? Yes. Um, exactly. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, early years is, is child initiated. They learn through play. So they're playing, but they're learning. So everything that's set up on the table is just to a normal person. Just oh, that looks like Lego. But then what have we done in the lesson to, there's a reason that Lego is out. So maybe in maths, we were learning about towers. We learned about heights. Maybe mm-hmm. we we're doing weight. Maybe we we're looking at patterns. Hence there's different color Legos. Maybe it's a fine motor um, task. And the nice thing about early is, is it's very cross-curricular. Yes. So like I said, the Lego, fine motor, maths, pattern, um, I remember doing a 2D um, shape, t- teaching 2D shapes. And I thought to myself, you know what, what can we do? And I thought to myself, you know what, there's fruits, little f- soft fruit, melon, strawberry, or not strawberries, grapes, all different shapes of 3D shapes, aren't they? So mm. why don't they make fruit kebabs? Because that's cross-curricular to fine motor skills as well. Mm-hmm. So yes, we did that. And that's the early is. Mm-hmm. So it looks like they're playing, but actually they are learning. And there's a reason tasks are out. Um, so yeah, but but yeah, you plant the seeds, but then when you walk past the earliest classroom, it just looks magic, really, doesn't it? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but then yeah. that's it. That that is it. Organi- organized chaos. Is yeah, that- organized chaos. <laughs> yeah. And if they're engrossed and they're playing and they're not running around in circles, then you've mm-hmm. got them. You yeah. Put them in. So I always say to my team, if, if we have things out on the table or, or we have challenge tables or etc. If you see children not really approaching it after half a day, we change it mm-hmm. because obviously yeah. it, mm-hmm. it's not for them. They, they're not interested. But even I know it's like I mean we don't have it at our school. We don't use glitter anymore. But what I used to <laughs> do is I used to add a bit of glitter or I just move it to a different table, and the kids think it's something new. Yeah, How funny is that they think it's completely new because then I would model. I'd be like, "What's this on the floor now?" <laughs> but they don't remember it was actually on the table ten minutes ago, and <laughs> yeah. I just added a few like bits and bobs to it. To make yeah. it look a bit more interesting, a little bit of glitter, a little bit of something. Because mm. um, it's interesting. It, yeah. it, it, I mean, for me, if it, I always say to my team as well, if you think that's boring, why have you put it out? Mm. Because yeah. if you think it's boring, they're going to find it's boring. So why yeah. should they play with it? Yeah, I, I think like if I, if I think that I would want to be a child, a child in my class and to do those activities, then I'm like... You know, I, I can, you can, it's about like selling it, do you think sometimes? Yeah. yeah like yeah. if I can't sell it because I'm like, oh, this is boring or yeah. I don't want to do this or I don't want to make like a model of one, then why would I put it on my class? No, exactly. And then the modeling as well, to be fair, what I do is when the, t- the kids go out, go to tasks or, or around the classroom, I kind of tell them what's going on. I was like, this table will do this. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get, I'll look at my tear or do the eye thing. And then she'll put, she'll say something like, oh my goodness, that's such a good idea. <laughs> I thought I wanted to do this. And I thought, oh my goodness, yes. And if uh-huh. I model it, I say, and they, I put it down. They say, oh, can I use that? And I don't know. That's going to go in my special book. <laughs> so they know because I kind of make sure I'm, I'm kind of one of them. Yes. Because then they want to do it. Yeah. 
Because if you say, oh, there, you've got Lego, or you just leave it. I mean, obviously, Lego or Mobile is very exciting. But if you have paper and just something on the table, you need something, you need something there or you need to model something there. Mm. Or do you have to say, like when we did Weekend News, I say to my tia, oh, my goodness, I forgot to tell you. It was my mum's birthday. It was my brother's birthday. And she was like, oh, what did you do? And they, then they get all excited. They're, did you have cake? Did you balloons? Did you do this? And I say, oh, yes, yes. And I start drawing it. And I say, balloons. What does balloons begin with? And there's your phonics. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because I've always kind of done that, but I always felt in the other year groups that it was me going off on a tangent and I had to like draw myself back in again. And like now that I'm in early years and I like slowly, my, my brain is unraveling again, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I feel like is a good thing. No, I think it's um, a good thing. I think, yeah. I, I, I just think you go over the flow and I just think, I mean, there's times that I'm hoping that maybe a head teacher's not listening to this at the moment, but there's times that mm. I've done phonics lessons when I've got my little mobile and I say, oh, my mum's calling me. And I says, because every time you hear me say a tricky word, write it down on your board. Oh, I love that. That's brilliant. And I did that. And I say, you went to the the bathroom. <laughs> see him write it down the. And I say, no, go. go. I love that. And the, but they loved it. They loved it. So I try and make it re- like realistic and personal to me. Yes. So, I, yeah. And I said, okay, bye, mum. I've got to go. Uh, it's lunchtime. So sorry. And I say, or I say, no, no, don't do that. No, no. And no is a tricky word. And yes, like, yeah. That's amazing. I so love it's that. Things like that. I know. It's really like, I know it sounds so silly, but it's uh, when I think of some things completely silly, it just seems to work. Like my head teacher said to me, um, how do you think of those ideas? Where do you get them from? And I said, myself. Yeah. Oh, no, my God. I'm me myself. too. Yeah. I just think mm-hmm. that sometimes I'm a bit unsure which I think I am. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, and it goes well, huh? Yeah. Like, I'm I'm at the gym sometimes. I'm swimming, and I'm just like, that's when I clear my brain, and then, like, an idea comes to me in the pool. I'm like, I need to write down somewhere. What can I do to not forget it? (laughs) No, no, but that's good. Yeah. I just think that's so good. Like, the most bizarre ideas or the most ideas that you'd think, you can't do that, you're a teacher, would work so well with these kids. Yeah. Because they see their parents on mobile phones, they see that stuff. So when I say, oh, sorry, class, my mum's calling me or Mr. Taylor's (laughs) calling me and I get my phone. Yeah. And I said to them, and I say, right, write down this tricky word you can hear. And I say on the phone, no, do not get that chocolate. No, (laughs) you can see them writing. I did that for my YouTube videos over the pandemic. Amazing. They loved that. That's amazing. I got videos back just saying to Mr. Taylor, thank you for the lessons. And he had a little video because it was all about chocolate. And it was that he, I hid the chocolate for him and he had to write a letter. Mm. And then he, I made him do a video for them saying that he had the chocolate. And in the background, I was kind of saying <laughs> shouting, but they loved it. Yeah. So they like it because they think that you sleep at school in a box yeah. mm-hmm. and you don't. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think to let them, to let them show a little insight of you and, to let them know about you, like little things when we talk about, say, oh, I've got a sister, I've also got a brother, um, my mum has brown hair, they love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So instead of you being, oh, you're the teacher, it's good for them to know actually you are human as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to go to a quick ad break and play the news then. then. If, I, if we could come back, I've got a few more questions. And no problem. A bit more, uh, pick your brain a, li- a little bit more. So uh, just going to mute you for a second, then I will unmute is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. 
According to a report for BBC News, inspectors have stated that schools in Wales must improve teaching of Welsh and Black, Asian and minority ethnic histories and cultures. The new curriculum in Wales, set to be rolled out in secondary schools in 2023, requires that all children are taught about racism and BAME communities. The report which was released by Eston and commissioned by the Welsh Government said that teachers needed more professional support. It found that schools in multicultural areas were best at teaching the histories of BAME individuals and communities. Claire Morgan, Chief Inspector for Eston said, the Black Lives Matter movement renewed focus on anti-racism education and the teaching of Black, Asian and minority ethnic history and culture. She added, it's clear that more needs to be done to ensure that teaching and learning represents all of Wales's communities and their international connections. Eston did, however, find many examples where schools were effectively teaching Welsh history and the contributions of ethnic minority individuals in their curriculum. In England, the Education Secretary, Nadim Zahawi, has confirmed that masks could return to schools, but that there will be no return of bubbles. Nadim Zahawi told Sky News, so the good news is that, and thanks to the brilliant teachers and support staff and parents and children, 99% of schools are open. Attendance has gone up. The last set of figures I looked at was about 90%. That will obviously fluctuate depending on infection rates, but my priority is to protect education and keep those schools open. He added that he had contingency plans including the wearing of masks, but said, I don't want to return to bubbles because actually you saw the fall off in attendance, which really does harm mental well-being and mental health of children. This has been your daily education news briefing. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? 
Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge, and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the Assertive Leadership and the Emotionally Intelligent Leader courses? All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. So uh, thanks for listening in, guys. We're just going to kind of conclude here, uh, pick Christy's brain for a, a few more minutes and then uh, let her go for the evening. Um, Sorry. No, no, not at all. <laughs> tired teachers we are. <laughs> I know, I'm um, so tired. Tell me about it. That I tell you, that baseline was like a killer. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I just... <laughs> And then you, we still have got to do an internal baseline. So that's a whole other... Oh no, another one. I know, because oh. I'm still not even sure about the results of that, if you can really... I don't know if we can even get them. I don't know. I think you can, but I just think for our own um, internal data, we're still yeah. going to do our, our own. Yeah. So yeah. that's another... No, that's absolutely. Sort that out, so yes. Test, testing culture, aren't we? Like, yeah. Yeah. So I guess... Like I said, like what are your what would be your reception do's and don'ts? And actually, it's not just reception. I think uh, there's a there's such amazing stuff that goes on in reception that should go on in the whole rest of the school. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I think um, for the do's, generally be creative. I was I, I kind of write go wild, let the children lead your teaching. Um, I like that. Be, yeah, and and also don't talk too much which is funny for me because I talk so much. But what's funny yeah. is I talk so much, but when I teach, I don't talk as much. And I don't talk as fast, which is really weird. That's mm. funny. That I, I've, that I've Since I was a trainee teacher, that's been my thing. Like, yeah. too much teacher talk. It's yeah, something. too much talk. Yeah. It doesn't give them a chance to to kind of express or say something. And, and it, it what, what one couple of years ago, I did a phonics lesson in complete silence. Oh, so my God. Because what happened was... Um, where I teach um, in the borough, uh, an early years practitioner. Oh no, she she leads the in the borough. She wants to come in to watch phonics. I said okay then. So I just thought to myself, you know what? Why don't I teach the whole thing in silence? And I was teaching the diagraph. Shh. <laughs> and, oh no, it wasn't. So I was teaching diagraph owl. So what I did was I dressed up as a mermaid, not literally, um, <laughs> and I got bandages. And I every time I pressed my arm, I said owl, owl. And then what I did. With and I wrote down on the board, and I had different things that had the owl phoneme. So like shall owl, no shall, was it shall capitals? I can't remember the top of my head, but I had like cow and things like that, mm-hmm. like objects, and everything. And every time they touched, it, they said owl. I didn't say a word for the whole lesson, and it worked so well. Amazing. Was so the kids were saying things, and at the end of the le- lesson, they walked around with bandages, walking around the hospital, <laughs> saying owl, owl, owl. And I love that. Yeah, really nice. So I, I always think your do's on that is like go pre- go creative. Like I said, I always say do what you think, just go with it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let the children let the children yeah let the children like lead you in, that, in a way. If they say, oh, I didn't like that, I like that, or and because if you can see them on the carpet, it's not working. I get them up. I'm like get them up, and I mm-hmm. literally just turn completely change it. Or I'm like get them up, grab some hoops, go outside, get some bee bags, do something, and just make something make something mm. happen but then that does help if you've got you have some experience in that or you've because if you're so used to having them on tables like which key stage do you do which, which is obviously it has to be done mm-hmm. um it's difficult then to adapt that 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's hard. the only thing I'd say don't do is exactly that. <laughs> really. mm-hmm. Or don't go too formal with the little ones because you won't get anything from them. Yeah. Like it's... sit there, get a pencil. You won't. Those bo- I know I shouldn't say this between boys and girls, but it, I mean, studies show that boys find it difficult. I mean, I've. I mean, you know now you're in the early years, so obviously I've had a baby in August who's mm-hmm. a baby boy. Mm-hmm. So I've got a summer-born baby boy. Oh, my gosh. Every year, I know. Even wow. my teacher, she said, that's not, good, that's not good planning, isn't it? Oh, and no. I know. And I say, obviously now he's one years old. What's the first thing? Slither down the snake. Yeah. So, but then it just, I mean, research shows that boys find it difficult and, um, it's uncomfortable to sit on a chair sometimes sitting on the table with a pencil it's not yeah. I mean they want to sit, lie down I, mean, I find a phonics lesson I did last week a lot of the boys went down on their belly and they, they lied there and they, they wrote on their whiteboards fair mm-hmm. dues yeah. let, let them do it yeah. even whiteboards it's slippery they might not like it so we, we taped or we just clipped um, paper on it and they, they preferred that Yeah. so it's just just I think with the don'ts in reception don't um, don't feel anything's a no because i just think the more crazy you go sometimes the better yeah no absolutely yeah because then like i said it goes back to the the kids will kind of look at you in a different light and they think oh actually i quite like this Mm. because and also because when they get older i know i shouldn't say that but some of the year one kids always say to me oh miss me miss you though you're so funny oh and that's nice yeah not saying the year one teacher's not funny but you can be creative in the early years and get away with it yeah which which is which is a big thing so now when i buy like loads of salt my husband said why are you making cakes i'm like no i want to do writing that's all we're doing <laughs> yeah absolutely so, so I, it works i bet there's a lot of uh, honorary uh, husbands and wives that are now teachers <laughs> yeah. from lockdown <laughs> i know poor things they found it so I, I felt for them that's why i made a lot of the videos and i we used tapestry at our school for online uh, my online special book and right. i did a lot of videos on there for them to kind of show them what we're doing and like how you can do it and I'm that's why I modeled with with husband so that he could be the person and I said no you don't do it like that and then <laughs> the kids loved it they were loving yeah. it and we got videos back saying thank you Mr Taylor for your video oh. don't worry you can learn to or oh. something like that but um I know I felt for the parents I felt for them yeah, yeah. it was hard they struggled and mm-hmm. um it was kind of funny for us teachers, but it was difficult for them. <laughs> uh, it's bad, huh? But I, yeah. I couldn't help but laugh. No, I, yeah, absolutely. I think, like, at the beginning, just to close off, I talked about relationships with parents. Mm. And I actually think that the other relationship is with your TA, if you're lucky yes. enough to have one. And it seemed yes. I had the best one last year, and I begged her to come with me, but she wouldn't. Mm. <laughs> what year is she now? Now she's still in year six. Oh, good. Uh, I think, well, yeah, when you get a, a good year six TA, they don't generally move. Yeah, um, I can imagine. So, but it sounds like you yours is uh, in on the act, for want of a better phrase. Yeah, yeah. well, he's got no choice, really, has he? So, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's difficult, TAs, or you have a new team. We're a new team this year because, obviously, I've come back from maternity. I'm part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, I do three days and then other teachers are two days. But when you have a new team, it's difficult as well, mm-hmm. but then yeah. slowly. But September is always difficult for all the kids, for the parents. It's it's the month when you're kind of, kind of getting back into routine and starting routine. And obviously this year with the early, we have a new curriculum, we have everything's new. So mm-hmm. even myself, I'm a bit like, oh, headache. Yes. 
I know you're trying to get my head around it a bit because I, I completely when they say create your own curriculum I'm, I'm thinking what do you mean <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand I was like yeah uh, and then I realized that what I was doing before was maybe I used to use development matters mm-hmm. which is actually not curriculum so. yeah that's like end goal isn't it I exactly think. so yeah. it gets a bit but I just think to myself the kids are learning they're learning yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of, and I've, I've always been a teacher and I, and I put this on my Instagram page is that I've always think that we should look at progression rather than attainment. Mm. But then obviously that's not up to me because I just think when you get these little ones in their EAL, the progress yeah. they've made, yeah, they absolutely. Point, yeah. it's not mm. yeah. that they think, oh, they haven't made it, but they have. Yeah. And they're so, labelled from the time they're four, aren't they? Exactly. Then? And I just yeah. I don't like that because... Yeah. Look at the progression they've made. Yeah. It's not yeah. about attainment. Not not where they started their end. They started somewhere, but look at their end point. Yeah. Did they reach the end point that they yeah. say normal, not normal child, but where you want them to finish, they haven't. Yeah. But they're still no progress. Yeah. And that's what I hate. Yeah. It's like we said so, at the beginning, even talking about some about the parent teacher kind of thing, it's about the process, not yeah. the product. And I think 100%. I guess to end off, especially in reception, it's all about the process. And I guess my last question is what change do you see the most from September to July in it? It's they become independent, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They become independent. The spring thing, when they come back from spring, you just think they're a completely different class. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. so independent. But that's what you're teaching them in reception. You're teaching them to be independent. So when, I know it sounds really silly, but when you do fruit time mm-hmm. and then you say, and then they start putting, they put their pills in the, a bowl in, in the middle. Mm-hmm. I, I think to myself, what are they learning from that? I was like, no. Mm-hmm. I said to the kids, hold on to it. And then when we finish, you can pick up your core yourself mm-hmm. and put it in the bin. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Where they, what are they learning from putting it in a bowl that you're giving them then you're putting that in the bin? In the bin, yeah, no, absolutely. They're not learning. Or if yeah. you're, like, when you're painting or you're doing something and you decide to paint, I don't know, a tree, you you, you think so, but I'll paint the tree, then you paint the leaves. Just model painting the tree and then get them to paint the tree themselves. Mm. Because don't give them too, like, don't give, don't give them, like, don't, in some way, you help them, but don't give them too much. It's like worksheets. Yeah. Worksheets is another yeah. thing, which... Oh, God. I love no, a worksheet yeah. in a sense yes. of fine motor cutting, but I would never put it up on the display. No, yeah. And also, like, I said that to mine because we did Elmer, and I said, mm. like, we want, like, you don't want, like, 25 Elmers that look exactly. the same. It's all about, exactly. yeah. I said, artists all create differently, and I think that's, like, part of the juxta of reception almost, is, like, like getting showing yeah. them that different is okay and that your exactly. work doesn't have to look like my work. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say, and that's that's when they that uh, when you get QSA teachers or any other teachers that yeah. are not used to the early years, they're like, "What's that?" And I was like, "That says dog." <laughs> and yeah. in September, when the first one is a meaningful mark, mark making, yeah. and they do a line, they say it says "mum." I'm like, "Perfect, very yeah. good, yeah. well done." In the special mm-hmm. it goes, because otherwise, yeah, yeah. like you said, your, what's your display going to be the same thing? You're going to have thirty. Yeah. Um, trees mm-hmm. yeah 30 autumn trees that look exactly yeah. the same yeah like that's and that that predominantly that is what we're saying that is not the early years so that's a dope yeah that yeah that is absolutely a dope and uh yeah a, a good one to end on i think like you say it's, it's about the process and about let the children lead your teaching like you said i think that's a good way to put it um and it's hard but yeah, I think you you can start with, like I you can start with a plan, but then like you said, it's not written in stone, and nor should it no. be in, in any year group, to be honest. So yeah, uh, exactly. You said you think yeah. oh, like because obviously there's times you think oh, it'd be lovely they can make that. That's a good idea. But mm. then actually, when you start it and it goes completely like roundabout three hundred and sixty, yeah. then when you come out of it, you think actually that was a good idea. 
Yes. But when you, if you plan things in early years and you think you'll never plan the end point because that will not be your end point. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's all about the process. So mm. I, I completely agree with that. But yes, yeah. I will never move from the early years. But <laughs> maybe over 50, that'll be a different question, won't it? Yeah. So. Then, then we'll find you in Key Stage 2. <laughs> no, then you find me retired. Yes, yeah, that, so no, all that. <laughs> probably not. Yeah. So yes, I think to myself, Joe, so I think to myself, oh God, I'm tired now, but I was, I, my husband's like, should we have another baby? I'm like, no. No, I've got 30 at school. <laughs> I know, exactly. And I do, I, I like, now being a mum myself, when I see the little ones, I, I feel like, and even like when I went, or when I finished maternity, I came back um, in September, I always say, like, I missed this And then I found myself saying, no, let mummy do it. And I thought, oh, what am I saying that for? Because <laughs> I'm so used to saying that. Yeah. But um no, we do. I, 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 I'm an early years person. I've always been early years. And I always say to teachers, go to the early years, start from the early years. Absolutely. And also, if you're a key stage two teacher, never send your EAL children to the early years for phonics because that's not what to do. And I'm, I, yeah. I'm, I, I push that because if you were, say you were seven, would you want to go to the class when they're four? No, no, it's like soul destroying, isn't it? Exactly. So I just say no yeah. to their face. I'm like, no, don't, never, don't even go there. Yeah. So, yes. Thank no, you so absolutely. Much oh my God, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. And I, I can tell from your demeanour and your speech that you are early years to the, yeah. to the heart. <laughs> I know. Thank you so, so much for uh, having me. Thank you so much. And thank you for answering all my questions. You're very welcome. Um, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. 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 So uh, thanks for Carl. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you've enjoyed it. Just a couple of things that I've written down to take away from the beginning is definitely it's about the process with children and not always looking for that end product. Um, letting them think without pressure. Um, partner with parents. Uh, and also early years is where it is at. Let the children lead your teaching. And if you really want to see creative, purposeful play, and creative mayhem go to an early years classroom if you are in high school please come and visit an early years primary classroom i guarantee you will learn something and you will definitely take something away from it so that is me out thank you for listening you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at TT Radio.